Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of the 75th anniversary season. That's Game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond. From iconic plays in arenas to the impact players have in communities, that's the NBA, that's Game. It's like Game 5 of the NBA Finals where I was lucky enough to be there. Bucks, Suns, in Milwaukee. I'm sitting kitty corner from Giannis Antetokounmpo as he rises up for that incredible alley-oop. Drew Holiday having stolen the ball from Devin Booker on the other side. Found Giannis in transition. Incredible stuff. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me, oh, my dear, dear friend, Ellen Adair. Ellen, Happy New Year. Welcome. Happy New Year. Thank you for having me, Joe. Oh, 2021. Yay. It, it feels so different, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're trying to believe that it is different. You know, obviously, the world is refuting our right. attempts right. to believe that it is different at every turn. However, you know, I feel like there's a real power in thought. So I know that turning over the calendar is arbitrary, but I'm going to just keep on believing. Well, you should believe. Believe on. 2021 is going to be a great year for everybody. Everybody who's listening, you're going to have the best year of your life in 2021. Or, you know, maybe it's just going to feel that way. Well, if it feels that way, it is, right? If it feels like the best of year of your life, it is the best year of your life, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Indeed. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Uh, we should we should warn people right up front. That is uh, your delightful little doggy yes, yes. barking in the background. I I don't we don't we're not warning you about Ellen's delightful little dog because uh, because she's delightful and her 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 bark is like music. It just makes you feel happy. However, my dog Wesley is with us here as well. Uh, because the rest of the family abandoned me, so I have the dog. So there is a chance that in the middle of this, you will hear what sound like hurricane warnings uh, from from a dog. Uh, at, at which point, we'll uh, it's not going to make the podcast worse or anything, but but we might have a very very long uh, loud dog barking. Um, yes, it's a two dog it, podcast to start out twenty twenty one. That's as it should be. By the way, they should give you some sort of. I don't know, like volume warning when you when you get a dog, like we should they should say like they always you know like oh does this dog shed or does this dog you know how much does this dog eat how big does it get it should be how loud is this dog's bark because uh, Wesley has the sort of bark that like if I'm taking a nap in 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 the afternoon as 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 we all should do uh, more often it's delightful it's a great uh, new year's resolution to have uh, take more naps nap more nap more i i really think that's a great resolution uh he he doesn't just wake me up out of that that when he barks he like i feel like you know like in the like in the as as you will feel as an actress like in the movies when like you wake up in a sweat like you yes. had this, like you've like you've had a flashback to war somebody like, has the, sprayed you <laughs> with sweat that's, pretty much how loud Wesley barks that's that's generally uh the the volume of of his bark so anyway 
But I we... agree that there should be a warning. It sort of feels like, you know, my phone is always so assiduously telling me, like, that's higher volume than you should be really <laughs> listening to, Ellen Adair. And th- nobody told me with my dog. Uh, yeah, no no sort of like Surgeon General warning come no, with dogs. No. All right, so we're going to talk, uh, we're going to talk some baseball. We're actually going to talk a little football this week because uh, uh, the Cleveland Browns uh, made the playoffs for the first time. Uh, Congratulations. In, in 2000, 2003. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's crazy uh, because within 24 hours, is it even 24 hours, I guess? But yeah, about 24 hours after the Browns made the playoffs, a little less. Uh, it was promptly announced that, uh, you know, nine-tenths of the team have COVID, including the head coach, uh, Kevin Stefanski, who will not be there uh, to coach on Sunday uh, because he tested positive, as well as various unnamed players. And, uh, yeah, we'll get all, we'll get to all that. You know what? Because I think it leads to a larger question, a larger thing. But, but we're going to start with some baseball. We're going to start with your Phillies is where we're going to start because oh. that's, that's where all podcasts with Ellen Adair should start. Our, well, our thanks. Well, I'm, I'm surprised. Are you? Are you surprised? I mean, you know, this is you know, the, the, the Phillies are. I don't know. It's it's an interesting. Uh, you know, I, first of all, I don't believe we've talked about uh, the hiring of Dave Dombrowski as, uh, uh, as yes, perhaps Phillies we have not. Are. And also, he's now coming out and saying, uh, kind of hinting around that the Phillies just very well might bring back JT Real Muto, who you did not believe uh, you wanted to believe would come back, but did not believe actually would. So I kind of want to get the Phillies update from you. How do you feel about your Phillies with the, with this off season with Dombrowski there? I mean, are you, are you more bullish, less bullish or same bullish? I would say I'm more bullish, but that's because previously I was residing in the depths of despair. Sure. So the Dave Dombrowski news came the same week that they had, there were sort of rumors that had floated that maybe the Phillies were shopping Zach Wheeler, which of course, uh, John Middleton came out and refuted with such ferocity that you knew that they must have been true. (laughs) And, uh, And so I was like, oh no, the team is... You know they're they're gonna I guess try to go into a rebuild mode and they're gonna ship off all the players that I like until it's just Bryce Harper left and he will finally waive his no trade clause and it was quite grim and then finding out later in the week that instead they had hired Dave Dombrowski I think really because he was the guy that they could get who fit exactly who John the kind of person that John Middleton wanted I was. I was happy. I was happy about the news on the whole, um, because to me, it was just a signal that, oh, we're not going to be rebuilding. We are, in fact, not going to be shopping Zach Wheeler. And we're going to we're going to try to win, if not now, very soon, because that's, of course, that's what Dombrowski does. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting to me because when the Phillies uh, um, hired Dave Dombrowski, I was of two minds of it. The first mind is, ugh. I'm, I'm sorry, just yuck. Not, not nothing against Dave Dombrowski. It's just, it's just 
it's so much the same. I just I don't like the same rotating characters getting you know hired by by totally. every team. You know, it's just ugh, can we get some new blood? I mean, it was so exciting when the Marlins hired Kimming because it just felt like oh, there's something new. People are trying something new, and then the Phillies could have done that. The Phillies could have well, certainly could have hired Kimming, but they could have hired somebody you know, who's just not out of the same mold as everybody else and, and, and tried something different. And it was Dave Dombrowski. All right. Which is fine. We're, you know, so familiar. We know what he's doing. So on the one hand, I was kind of like, yeah, that's just whatever. On the other hand, I, I immediately did think of what you said, which is that is a commitment because Mm -hmm. Dave Dombrowski is not coming to the Phillies to lose the next two years. He's just not, I mean, he's, he he is he's short term win now uh it's what he does it's 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 what he did in boston and you know the the team is kind of a wreck not not necessarily because of what he did but you know he came in and made a lot of short term moves and they won a world series and had one of the great years in in recent baseball history and and now they're you know I mean we'll see if they can rebuild it up again but obviously last year they were they were a disaster even before the whole COVID thing hit. Uh, so the Phillies are going to try to win right away. And I, I guess that's exciting. I don't know if I feel like this team is is on the cusp of doing that. I mean, I don't know if if this team is three or four moves away from from being a you know a real winning contender. And, and I know for a fact they don't have you know, the incredible resources within the minor league system that the, that the Red Sox had for Dombrowski. But that said, you know, look, he's a, he's a very smart guy and I don't think he takes that job unless there's a chance to win. So, so I guess that, you know, the bulk of it is as a Phillies fan, you should probably feel like, okay, well, look, the commitment is there at least. Yeah, that was my main takeaway. And I I wrote a piece about this on the Turf Sports um, entitled Don't Warn Me about Dave Dombrowski, um, which mostly had to do with like the immediate onslaught of people being like, well, you know, say goodbye to your minor league system. And I was like, that hurts because it assumes that we have a minor league system, which we don't, you know, like it reminded me of the, of the Mitch Hedberg joke about don't wave at anybody you don't know, because what if they don't have a hand and it's going (laughs) to look like you're, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and for me, I think a lot of me feeling good about it actually has to do with relative expectation. So there was no world in which the Phillies were going to make a hiring as cool as Kim Ng. Like, It just wasn't going to happen. And instead, I was I was so depressed about the Phillies before this happened that it was like, I feel like I would more categorize my feeling as like relief rather than explicit joy. And also, I mean, one of the one of the kind of misgivings that I had about Dave Dombrowski is that he's not necessarily uh He's not a 100% pro analytics guy. He's not anti them. I don't think you can be these days. No. But I was kind of like, oh, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about this. It, like, is this an extreme reactionary move to Matt Klintak, which in and of itself was an extreme reactionary move. And we, we're just like swinging the pendulum back and forth and we cannot actually bring balance. But now that Sam Fold is going to be the general manager, and he is, of course, that's one of the things that he does so well is he's he's a uh, a conduit type of a 
baseball operations guy in terms of managing uh, or melding his own player experience with analytics. So I feel good about in that sense that Dave Dombrowski kind of brought balance to the whole organization by by putting Sam Fold in that role. Yeah, I think that's right. I I don't think that that Dave Dombrowski is a dinosaur. Right. I don't I don't this wasn't the Tommy LaRussa hire, you know, mm-hmm. the Tony LaRussa. I call him Tommy LaRussa. I cannot believe I just did that. Um, this is not the LaRussa hire. I mean, this, you know, he is he is he's a smart guy and, and he knows baseball. And I'm sure that he has some some feelings about, you know, the game tilting too much toward analytics and all of that. I'm sure he has some of those feelings, but uh, but he can balance that. Look, that the Red Sox team was obviously. Uh, very analytically driven, and 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 he he certainly handled that, you know, well enough. I I I don't I don't think that's an issue. I the thing that the thing that he brings, and this is such an underestimated and underrated part of of being, you know, not just a, you know he's not the general manager, but being the guy that that goes to the owner. Okay, the one that has the direct line to the owner. When I was in Kansas City, the the Royals had a general manager named Allard Baird. Uh, who, who, you know, people will know went to the Red Sox and the Mets and, and, uh, you know, just a great, great baseball guy and, and a wonderful person and, and a, you know, a friend. I mean, somebody I just, I think the world of, but Allard had come up through the Royal system. And so when it came time to go to the owner and say, Hey, we got to do this, you know, we've got to spend the money to keep Carlos Beltran or we've got to make this deal because even though it's going to have some short-term uh, blowback, it's 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 the best thing for our organization or whatever the difficult decisions were, he didn't really carry the gravitas to do that. I mean, you know, certainly he should have because he he was he he's very very smart and he's a great baseball man mm. but you know he 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 came up through the system and and when they hired him uh, to be general manager after he was assistant general manager after he was scout and national cross checker and all those other things you know he was just you know kind of I, I wouldn't say clinging to the job because I think he did it the best he could and the way he knew how to do it but he couldn't go in and turn over the desk. You know, he couldn't go in and just go, if we don't do this, then, you know, then you don't want me here. Like that, that wouldn't have carried a lot of weight. And then Dayton Moore came when Dayton Moore was the, you know, the hottest uh, general manager prospect in baseball, a guy the Red Sox wanted, a guy a lot of teams wanted. Uh, Basically nobody even thought he was going to take the Royals job. And he came in uh, to Kansas city and, he said, okay, look, I'll come here, but you've got to do this, 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 and this, right? I mean, there's no there's no reason for me to come here unless you're willing to make these kinds of commitments. And I think that's what that's the biggest thing in many ways that Dave Dombrowski brings is mm-hmm. that, you know, if he says, hey, JT Real Muto's out there, he's got the gravitas to go into the owner and say, you got to sign him. You just yeah. got to do it. You got you got to do that. And I don't think that uh that uh, that uh, you know Matt Klintak had that. I don't think anybody had that before before this. I mean, he comes in with just a a different vibe. He's got the you know the World Series rings on his fingers, uh, and and so he he can do that. And and I I think that gets underappreciated by by baseball fans. I think it's easy to miss that there's so many human 
contacts that are involved here and how a player, how a, a general manager or president or whatever is viewed is very, very big when it comes to making big decisions. Yeah, I think that is such a good point because I think really what the Phillies need in that role is somebody who can get John Middleton to do the things that John Middleton needs to do. Right. And, you know, on the one hand, John Middleton is not the most recalcitrant owner in that particular regard. Like he obviously he went out and he signed Bryce Harper and sure. he got Zach Wheeler and stuff like that. Like he is definitely willing to spend in order to make the team better. But for example, last year he was like, we're not going over the luxury tax. I'm sure that was not Matt Clentak's decision. So no. therefore, once they had signed Zach Wheeler and they had signed Didi Gregorius, there was not any additional money, like, you know, $20 million with the overage to sign some competent bullpen arms, which would have completely transformed the team. So I think that I have more faith definitely in Dombrowski when the time comes. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be this offseason. I think there's still a chance that they may sign JT Realmuto uh, for any number of reasons that I can get into in a second. But I think that like they're going to more go all in for 2022 probably than for next year. Yeah, that's pr well, but I mean, we don't even know still what 2021 looks like, right? I mean, we're we're in January, and yeah, there are some, there is some movement. I mean, there's there's certainly a lot of rumors going on, um, and 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 things are happening, but we don't know what spring training looks like. We don't know when the season really starts. We don't yeah. know what the season will look like when it starts. And, uh, you know, we don't know really what's going to happen at the end of 2021 when it comes to the labor agreement. So, so 2021 feels to me like a very, I don't know, like, uh, like it's, 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 there's a, it's like a vapor. I mean, you don't really know what you're in until it sort of is around you, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's like the mist. It's like the mist. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I've never seen that movie, The Mist. How bad? I, 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 you know what? I haven't seen it either. I just auditioned for, I think, like a remake of a television show of it. And so, like, I know the basic premise. But this what is, is, what is, please fill us in. What is the basic premise of The Mist? I, I mean, I think it maybe kills people. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a the lot basic like premise. the baseball season. Yeah, 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 no, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's very good. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, this is this is how I just like accrue any kind of cultural knowledge throughout all of my life. I <laughs> I have to go on the most thin things. I have to like you know have just seen a headline on a magazine while I was in the grocery store checkout line, and I'm like, okay, cool, that's what that show's about. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, so. I but I do think that it's going to be like I really like what the Padres are doing, not necessarily the individual moves themselves. Although, you know, I mean, obviously that's looking like a pretty good rotation now, yep. right. With Blake Snell and, and, and you Darvish to, to throw in there. But, but I like that they're saying, okay, look, here's our bet. Our bet is that there is like something that resembles a legitimate 2021 season and everybody else is sort of hesitating and waiting and looking to see what's going to happen. And we're not, we're not going to do that. We're going to go in. We're all in now. We, we already feel like we're pretty good, and uh, and we're going to go ahead and try to win it this year. I like that. I wouldn't like everybody doing that. I don't think that would be smart for everybody. I don't actually think that would be smart for the Phillies to do, to mm -hmm. be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I think it is really smart for the Padres. And, and so that's what's so interesting now is watching to see how teams are sort of forecasting what 2021 is going to look like.
Well, and I think for the Padres, this situation is a is perhaps a little bit different just because they did not get rentals. They have Snell for a couple of years. They have sure. Darvish for a couple of years. And then they've got Clevenger coming back. You know, these right. moves were sort of necessitated by Clevenger getting Tommy John surgery. And it was kind of a question about, you know, well, what are they going to do now? And do, are they going to need Mackenzie Gore and Adrian Morahone to step up? And so now, obviously, they just look so dominant. Um, and And I think that... And I and I saw somebody tweet this, and so I can't say that it's my original uh, thought, but I don't remember who it was, unfortunately. But somebody said, you know, everybody's always talking about baseball teams trying to be more like the Rays, and wouldn't it be better if everybody talked about baseball teams trying to be more like the Padres? Yeah. And I was like, yes, 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 I agree. And they're just really using, even though they're they're you know a quote smaller market team, they're using what they've built in their incredible prospect depth to be like, yeah, now is the time and we're going to zig when everybody else zags. I think you go for it, right? I think when your opportunity comes, nobody can blame the Rays for doing what they do. That is literally the only way they can survive is to, is to be on the, on the outer edge of every single thing. And, and I remember, you know, going back to, to my days in Kansas city, that's what drove me crazy about the Royals for so long was, you know, I, I used to use this example that if you are in a, a fantasy baseball league, which I am not and, and never will be, but if you are in a fantasy <laughs> baseball league and you are given less money than everybody else in the league and you use the same magazines to scout your players as everybody else does, you are guaranteed to lose. Like yeah. that is that is the one sure way you are guaranteed to lose is if you use the same system but with less money. So I always wanted the Royals, the Twins, the you know Cleveland back in the days when when they were struggling between the two sort of uh, good runs that they've had. Um, you know Milwaukee, other teams like that to to do what the Rays are doing. Not specifically this, but to just go out all out go try stuff that other people are not trying try you know try a four-man rotation or a six-man rotation try you know to do uh you know crazy things with with your bullpen try to do all sorts of stuff you know maybe maybe be the one team that keeps only 11 pitchers or 10 pitchers so you can have two or three extra you know you know pinch hitters and 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 players in the field just try stuff because you can't win otherwise and you know, nobody did really. I mean, the Rays be kind of. I mean, everybody sort of said Oakland did, but I, but I think Oakland, you know, did in some ways. But they they never looked like a, a team. Like you look at the Rays and you're like, man, nobody else plays like them. Yeah. You know, I mean, they they they're sort of. I mean, people you know use little pieces of what they do. I never felt like the A's were like that. I I felt like the A's made a lot of smart baseball decisions and and you know we're ahead of the curve on on certain you know things uh, and still are by the way uh but i never felt like they looked different the gameplay doesn't look as different no no yeah. i i was i always thought that they you know the way they got players were really smart but it's not like you looked at at anybody that they had and and felt like it was uh you know like oh wow I, they're crazy i barely recognize baseball out there so yeah, I, I think the Rays did that. And and so that's good for the Rays. And probably other teams that, you know, that, that are that are 
struggling and and I mean nobody quite like the Rays I mean I guess the Marlins maybe to some degree but I mean nobody's quite like the Rays as far as you know being in a in a death stadium with no fans and mm-hmm. I guess you know, a little bit of Oakland but they seem to be working that out um but but I wouldn't do I don't think any other team should do that but but I think other teams should find their own way to to attack this thing and that's kind of what the Padres are doing yeah, yeah. No, I think that's entirely right. And I think that some of the problem with the whole idea of thinking outside the box is that everybody will look at somebody else thinking outside the box and thinking that and think that they should do the same thing. Yes, that's right. That's Whereas right. actually what they should be doing is like thinking outside of the box because just <laughs> adopting what somebody else has done is no longer, it's like that is now included in the box, friends. Like yes. it's not outside of the box anymore because somebody else did it. But of course, it's it's so much easier to say, think outside of the box than to actually do it. You know, I could, I could definitely say it would be great if the Phillies would, you know, try to forge their own path instead of just emulating what other teams do. On the other hand, like, I don't have the idea for what that thing should be. So easier said than done. But you would if you were the general manager of this team, which, by the way, should have happened. That's exactly <laughs> what they should have done. No, I, I think that's right. I have a, I have a very good friend who uh, has worked, uh, you know, with countless businesses and been in a million boardrooms. And, and every time he goes in there, that's what they talk about. They're like, ah, we need out-of-the-box thinking. And he's looking around and saying, you have about... 500 things in place to make sure that the one thing you never, ever, ever get at this company is out of the box thinking, right? Mm. Like you, like, <laughs> like there is literally every, there are guns pointing from all directions and anybody who wants to take you out of the box. So, so, you know, so that's, that's the same way with, 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 with sports. And, and I do think that, you know, look, I don't know if the Phillies are the, are the right, kind of team to do it but I will say this and and this is one place where I do get into some disagreements with uh with some of my my very good friends who are very uh analytically driven I mean I I would consider myself as analytically driven hopefully as anybody but I also believe that there is something about a team and an organization developing an identity and Mm. it's not something that's super easy to put into uh, words or super easy to to quantify. Uh, but I like I thought the Royals when they won in the years that they were winning, I think a big big part of that was that team's identity. There was mm-hmm. that he, they really truly had built the whole we're a family thing and everybody's against us thing and 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 you know we got a bunch of young guys that have have done nothing but win in the minor leagues and and you know, it. You look back at those teams. There's no reason those teams should have won. I mean, you. There's still. There's still. It's still kind of shocking to look back uh, <laughs> and see how they won. But I. I just think identity is a very big part, and I think that to me, like if I had to pick the Phillies, what are they? What What are the Phillies represent? They're like a. They're like a few good players. I mean, that's what they are. It's like there's no. There's no identity. And by the way, when they were winning in the late 2000s. Uh, that team had a tremendous identity, uh, you know, of toughness and 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 uh, you know power and I mean that there was just a 
there was something that you could like wrap your arms around with that team. And maybe that comes with winning. Maybe, maybe that's purely uh, a symbol of winning, but I, I don't know. I just keep kind of around to saying it's like, what do the Phillies want to be other than win games? What do they want to be? Yeah, I think it's a good question, and I'm not sure that I know the answer to it. I do think that like there are teams that obviously build their identities around losing as well. Like it's not just winning, and I think that a certain amount of that, like I'm sure it it comes organically, but then that it is also kind of marketed a little bit. You know, I think right. that for years, obviously, the Cubs were kind of marketed as like, oh, they're lovable losers, lovable but like, losers, yeah. come and enjoy the friendly confines and you'll have a great time out with your family. And so therefore, the franchise could still be profitable, even though they were losing. And, you know, obviously, the Mets have an identity of being the Mets. And so we'll <laughs> we'll see whether or not they can cling to that identity now that they've got Daddy Hedgebucks in charge of their franchise. Uh, I'm thinking Daddy Hedgebucks is going to get rid of that identity. I think he's going to he's going to buy that identity out or at least try to buy that identity out. It is it is really interesting. All right, let's do it. Let's now that you've said this. All right, let's go through. We're going to go through all 30 teams. Here we go. Gosh, no. And we're just going to it's going to just be a quick some will be maybe longer than others. But we're just going to go through all 30 teams and ask if they have an identity. Okay. Okay. All right. right, Uh, Yes. Yes or no question. I'm definitely. Yes or no. Unless unless there's a deeper, a deeper reason to do that. All right. Tampa Bay. Definitely. Yes. Identity. Sure. The Yankees, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, have a big identity. Although, where that identity is going, wide open. Yeah, they do not seem to be playing their role in the 2020-2021 offseason, for sure. Right, and this is not the first offseason that they've sort of not played that role, right? This is sort of the second or third time in four years that, uh, that they've sort of not wanted to be the Yankees. And if they're not the Yankees and they're not spending crazy money and doing crazy things, then who are they? Yeah, it's just like hoarding their prospect depth. What? (laughs) It's so weird. Who are you? It's so weird. Yeah. so weird. All right. It's very strange. Toronto, yeah, no identity. Uh, Maybe maybe developing an identity with some of those younger players. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That they definitely they have an identity. Well, I mean, you know, right now they have the identity of being this sort of like gypsies of Major League Baseball, since we don't know if we (laughs) they're going to have somewhere to play. Um, And yeah, I think that definitely having the the core of the juniors, whether or not they are technically juniors or not, is building an identity for them. I think their entire team should be sons of major league players. I mean, they're so they're so far along that road already. Yeah, that they should just go ahead and do it. Just just you know, go ahead and and look. At at first, it's going to be tough because you're going to have to have like you know bring Ken Griffey out of retirement or stuff. But I don't care. I mean, whatever you have to do. To, I to, to, to I feel like that. if you just said family members. Oh, so family. So if somebody like was so so niece. like yeah. you know Lourdes Guriel Jr. Well, I guess. Yes, can can belong because he's the brother of your Yuri Guriel. Yeah, yeah. So you just have to have a family member who just a family connection. That's a family the, connection. Four of their four of their eight in the field yeah. have a family connection. Yeah, they're so. they're you know they're they're well on their way. Well on their way. Baltimore feels to me like they have an identity, but man, do they want to get rid of it? Like yes. that's that's just it's a it's a bad identity. Very very bad. Yeah. They're going to be bad again, aren't they? I don't know. They weren't that bad this year, actually. I don't know if that was like partly a small sample size thing. but They were, they were, they were pretty bad. I, I mean, think that's, they're, I it's think funny they're on you the look way at up. them and you go like, oh, it's not 
not bad, but they were 25 and 35 in 60 games. Even that's pretty bad. So, yeah, they're pretty bad. I think um, they started out strong. And they did. And, they and did. Like they got off to a little a bit good down, the, down the stretch. <laughs> <laughs> down the down the mini stretch. But you yeah, know. I don't know. When when I I think it was also that the the Phillies ha- I believe were swept by the Orioles. <laughs> there you go. That's they, that's so. What, when I watched the Orioles, I was like, oh, these pitchers who I was <laughs> you know just expecting to kind of be like those floppy guys that you see outside of car washes. Yeah. You know, I was just expecting them to be those like a balloon well they animal. were for the rest of the year and and i yeah and then they weren't but yeah i mean perhaps <laughs> they that's for the rest the of the year yeah, the, the, um, it's amazing to me that baltimore throughout the 70s even before you were born uh they represented like no team had an identity like the baltimore Orioles. they represented pitching and defense and playing the game the right way and and three-run homers and all of these you know the, the baltimore orioles they that was like magical and now they represent the exact opposite of all of those things. I mean, it's really sad. But I don't yeah. know. I mean, they, they could be. Oh, look, I, I think they got some smart people going there. So so that that could be turning around. But uh, on right our now, podcast, uh, we just did um, bang the drum slowly. And sure. in that movie, the Orioles are presented as the fearsome opponent. Right. And right. yeah, you just had to do a little bit of calibration of like, oh, yeah, it's the 1970s. Was, yeah. yeah, you have to just like, oh, just pretend those are the Dodgers. <laughs> uh, Boston, you know, Boston is always going to have an identity because of because of the, you know, the history and the fan base and Fenway and this, that and the other. But I don't know where that team is going. No idea. No clue where that team is headed. Yeah. From from an identity standpoint. Well, and All particularly right. because their identity for so long was we can't quite win. Like our right. team is good. Right. But we will get to the end and then we will lose. And right. then, you know, when you win a handful of World yeah. Series. No, then their, then their a, identity was we will win every couple of years, but we'll not be very good between yeah, yeah. those years. And uh, and but it doesn't feel like that there's a win, like on the immediate horizon for it that does team. Not, it does not feel well. I, you know what? I mean, I, I'll just throw this out there. I think that's a big reason why the Mookie Betts thing was such a shocker. Was like that seemed to cut exactly against the Red Sox identity to mm-hmm. to, to 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 let him go. It just no matter what the situation was, no matter what the scenario was. For them to sort of just give in and get rid of Mookie Betts and and it just it felt so wrong and so anti what they've always been. That's a big part of why I think that didn't uh, play all that well. Yeah, um, if it were the Rays, it would just be like Tuesday, right? You know? Right, yeah. or or you know a dozen other teams. You know, I mean Cleveland. I mean yes. if you put them in Cleveland, I mean look, that's what they're doing with Lindor now. Yeah. So, um, Minnesota. And the twins, the I guess they Bomba Squad. You know, they didn't. They weren't quite the Bomba Squad in 2020, but you know, I mean, yeah, 2020. What are you going to say about it? I think their identity, sadly, is that they can't beat the Yankees at no point ever, ever. So, but at least yeah. that's an identity. Maybe it is an identity. The White Sox, to me, feel like they're building an identity, but they still don't have one yet. 
Yeah, I think that's maybe fair. I mean, I obviously they're an ascendant team and they're very exciting. And I, yes. it seems to me like they're a team that is, you know, going to potentially be in on some free agents this offseason. And that feels like a good thing. But yeah, I'm not sure how that I have a phrase for what their specific identity is. No, particularly because you were like getting pretty excited about what their identity could be. And then they hired Tony LaRusso. So exactly. I mean, that was like, yep. oh, so their identity is old people who who don't want to have fun um (laughs) in charge of all these very young young fun people yes cleveland literally is looking for an identity i mean they're literally looking for a name and and an identity so so we know where that stands and and they're gonna start from ground zero when they lose lindor which will happen i guess any time now uh that's just gonna be so depressing i i've Mike and I on this podcast have talked about uh, that there are like five players in the game who, and this is not fair to the player, but five players in the game who essentially the team should do whatever is necessary and the league should do whatever is necessary to keep that player in that town, mm-hmm. whether, you know, paying them whatever they need to be paid. I mean, look, if, if they want to leave there, you, you can't stop them. But I mean, assuming that there's, that they're amenable to staying, Mookie Betts in, in Boston was one of those guys, for sure. Uh, Lindor is one of those guys in, in Cleveland. I mean, you can go through a, a, a list of, of a few of these players. Uh, they're not many, but but there are a few that we feel like the league should step in and, 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 you know, just use some of the huge amount of money that they're saving off of TV revenue and, and, and make sure these players want to stay. Uh, so it's going to be very depressing when he leaves – uh, Cleveland and uh, and then that team is really going to be in search of whatever their future looks like. Um, Offense wise, I guess, because I feel like to me, Cleveland's identity is like we can just churn out all star pitchers. They do find pitchers. No, they yeah. just find them. They just yeah. find them. They're just like that. Like oh, like they're just turning out the lining of their you know coat pockets, and they're like another all star pitcher just <laughs> falls out. It's oh, really I forgot was- about this guy. <laughs> It's really funny the way like they were like looking through the couch, you know, uh, couch. <laughs> couch you know, the, hey, we found Shane Bieber. Well, you think that guy's going to be any good? Like, just put him out there. Let's let's see. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what let's see what a Shane Bieber looks like out there. Uh, the Royals kind of have an identity, um, but whether they win or lose is sort of irrespective of their identity. Like their identity is definitely this sort of family you know i mean the, the, we talked about this on on the show uh the way they handled the pandemic and and was you know it was exceptional i mean it was it was better than any other team in, in baseball the way mm-hmm. they paid their minor leaguers and and made sure everybody you know understood how important it was that they were going to stay together i mean that that team is run by just exceedingly good people uh, who who want to do the right things. So they have that identity. Sometimes that identity leads to victories, as it did for for you know 2014 and 15. Um, I don't know that 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 was anything more than a coincidence, though. I'm not I'm not sure their identity necessarily leads to victory. But it is an identity. It is an identity. I, as as a, a little bit more of an outsider on this perspective, I, I feel like their identity is that they are scrappy. And so sometimes scrappy. you are scrappy and you are a winner and sometimes you're scrappy and you're not. 
That's true. But yes, no, I, I, I mean, good. I think you're, you are correct that that is an organizational identity, but I think in terms of the team on the field, that's, that's a way that I would classify both winning and losing the Royals. I like it. I like it. They're scrappy. Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of its 75th anniversary season. That's Game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond, from iconic plays and arenas to the impact players have in the community. That's the NBA. That's Game. Like in the NBA Finals when the Bucks had their backs against the wall, Drew Holiday steals the ball, pushes the break, alley hoop to Giannis for an iconic slam, seals Game 5, and the eventual title. That's the NBA. That's Game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of the 75th anniversary season. That's game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond. From iconic plays in arenas to the impact players have in communities, that's the NBA. That's game. It's like game five of the NBA Finals where I was lucky enough to be there. Bucks Suns in Milwaukee. I'm sitting kitty corner from Giannis Antetokounmpo as he rises up for that incredible alley-oop. Drew Holiday having stolen the ball from Devin Booker on the other side. Found Giannis in transition. Incredible stuff. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. Um, Detroit. I have no idea. I have no idea what their identity is. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, is being bad right now and I used to be good, is that an identity? I don't think it is. No, especially because they're bad in different ways all the time. (laughs) Um, They're both old and also young and not good. I mean, like they're they're like lots of different things. I don't feel like that team has an identity. And I think that's a big issue. They've got to try to build one. Uh, Oakland, of course, has the Moneyball identity, and 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 it's 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 powerful. It's stubborn. I mean, they they just keep coming back every year with the same sort of identity, and uh, and they're usually good. Yeah, I mean, I love the Athletics. I know, I know. I'm I got a Matt general. Chapman jersey for Christmas. I was very oh, surprised. Yeah, that's so great. Yes, my sweet husband gave it to me. I was, I was extremely surprised and thrilled <laughs> i got great philly stuff too but like i almost i don't want to say i expect it but like i'm like this is an amazing artifact it. yes but but that i will receive philly's paraphernalia for christmas is something that i can almost always foresee it's and i'm given. glad yeah, yeah yeah it's a given but yeah. uh yeah matt chapman that's a nice eric always coming through he's oh, he's the best show. gift giver he's, he's the best he's the best husband he's he really just the is. best husband yeah Margo, my wife, agrees that he's the best husband. Um, Houston. Houston has a lovely identity. <laughs> going, going. We know what Houston's identity is. We don't need to spend any more time on that. Yep. Seattle. Yeah, no. No I, identity. I, I think that they do have an identity of, of their of their like postseason drought. That's not, but I think that's well, that's like saying losing is an identity. I but I sort of think losing is an identity. Maybe this is just a basic I ideological losing, difference between us. Yeah, I think losing builds out of having no identity, um, or can build out of that. I don't think they're they're not a loser organization. I agree. You know, I quite so, like the Mariners. 
Yeah. I mean, that's not, I mean, they, they try a lot of stuff and, 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 you know, move around a lot of, uh, Jerry DePoto, God bless him. I mean, they're, they're, they're not, they're not shy about trying to build something. Uh, but they've just been incapable of doing it. That's not an identity. I, I think, I think they're still in search. They're still in search of an identity. Um, the angels, God, they have an identity, but the identity is like, you're just, you're absolutely cheating Mike Trout out of his life. I mean, that's, that's really their identity is their identity is, are you ever, ever going to put a team around Mike Trout that wins for crying out loud? It's that's, and it's not a great identity to have, by the way. I mean, plus they also have David Fletcher. Well, yeah, yeah, that that doesn't have we, help have their we ever identity discussed or hurt it. My rational love of David Fletcher. I love David Fletcher. Well, why why do you love David Fletcher? Well, I there are a few reasons. Um, one is that he is he's a sort of an old timey player, and yeah. so I really identify with his just being born in the wrong time. I think right. if David Fletcher had been born at a different time, he would be appreciated. And these days he's not. And right. yeah, so I, I too in my life feel that sort of dissociation of like, what, I don't know, I just feel like I'm not from this time. And I imagine that that's how David Fletcher feels as a what, baseball player. What, what, what do you think about David Fletcher would be appreciated that is not being appreciated now? Well, he's like a 300 hitter. He just doesn't really have much power to speak of, you know, and he he walks almost as much as he strikes out. Yeah. And... So I think that yes, those are those are things that are like not not as not as valued <laughs> so, today. So you're you're saying that David Fletcher's lack of power makes him a, a delightful 1960s player. But, yeah, but maybe not a, a little bit. Now. Yeah, I mean, I I think he's very delightful for today, and I mean, it. So there's two aspects to this and one is that for a while like he was he was definitely a kind of a below average hitter but I was like oh but David Fletcher I just I feel like I get you and and nobody else loves you but I do and then this past year like he was actually a pretty good player looking it up right now he has a 125 WRC plus. So I think that in, for, in, in 49 games, in, I'm, I'm not saying, look, games. I'm not, I am not trying to knock David Fletcher in any way. I'm just saying that I kind of getting a David Eckstein vibe from, from David Fletcher. And I, I'm just going to go with the original. That's, I mean, that that's feels just a, that's just a person named David <laughs> bias that you have. And you're not really seeing no, David no, Fletcher. I, I, love da- I love David Eckstein. I mean, he, he can also, you know, I just, it's maybe my love of like a sort of utility infielder, but he plays all of those infield positions quite well. You know, he's a good defensive player. Anyway, I did say that it was a semi-rational love of David <laughs> Fletcher, to be clear. Like I'm, I'm, look, I, look, I have, I, this is making me sound like I'm arguing against David Fletcher. David Fletcher <laughs> is a, is a delightful player i just i don't know that i would have pulled him out when discussing the angels uh whether they have an identity or not i like i don't feel like i don't feel like david fletcher can carry the angels identity uh on his back i wish he could though (laughs) (laughs) all right the texas the texas rangers (laughs) no no identity none whatsoever and they're going to be terrible this year by the yeah. way I, I think they're really really going to be bad and it's a shame because uh uh you know i know people in that organization who are incredibly smart and and that organization might very well 
be going in the right direction, but uh, it's it's going to be a long haul for those guys. And, sh- and I don't know exactly what they are. Yeah, it's all. a shame in part because they used to have the best comedy duo in baseball. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, with, absolutely. you know, Beltre and Andres. half of them. Yeah. They have half of it. And, and frankly, yeah, what happened around. is he's, he's Jerry Lewis. <laughs> and right and yes. and uh and 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 uh and uh um without dean martin it, it the act doesn't work it just doesn't work yeah I mean, no i mean know. that's that's what we've definitely proved it's a it's a personal chemistry thing your favorite team the atlanta baseball club do they have an identity mm, i i don't know I don't know. It's it's hard for me to say because, of course, their identity for me is that I do not love them, no, um, or like them. Yeah, yeah. Or or tolerate them. Yeah. Um. And and I do feel like a lot of their identity for me, even when I try to think about it semi objectively as an analyst fan person, it has to do with like still, you know, rolling the tomahawk chop out yeah. there. Even well, it's everything like outside of baseball it's bad like the whole identity is bad like abandoning the city of atlanta and building that stadium and the tomahawk chop and and having like their gm banned for life and like like all of the outside stuff is pretty bad but inside some delightful players i would say right i mean i mean you you gotta say i mean everybody thinks Freddie Freeman is pretty much the nicest guy on earth, right? So he seems like he's a he's a nice person, um, as as well as some of the young players who are just wonderful to watch. I, it just feels like they're a mishmash, though. They're what they are is a good team, but I don't. That, that that's not the same thing as as we have discussed. Yeah, I agree. as having an identity. I think they're a really good team. I think they're going to be really good next year. Uh, but identity. No. I yeah, just, well, we'll, I feel we'll, like we're gonna rule now. organizationally, also, their identity is a little bit like, let's figure out how to lock up these young players on <laughs> deals that are incredibly yeah. advantageous for the right. team. No, they're Ebenezer smart. Scrooge identity for the organization. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, Very and much we'll just so. sign people on one-year contracts. Well, one-year contracts, or we'll offer... You know, a new kid, uh, you know, 12 bucks an hour uh, for, for the next eight years exactly. and and, yeah. and, uh, and he'll be happy. They uh, do a great job, though, of signing on one year contracts, pitchers that I particularly love. Um, yeah. Obviously, everybody loves Charlie Morton, but like Cole Hamels last year, even though he didn't really end up like the moment that I was like, Cole Hamels is going to be on the Braves. It was devastating for me. And I don't feel quite so strongly about Drew Smiley, but I have also always had a semi-rational love for Drew Smiley. So like that, too, I was like, oh, Braves. Anyway. Yeah. No, they're 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 they are Scrooge to you. They but are. Uh, no, we're going to say no identity Braves. Miami. You know, I don't know. Kim Ng could could build an identity. I don't feel like they've got a particularly great identity right now uh, or particularly distinct identity right now. Um, Particularly after they took out that home run sculpture, which was really the linchpin of the whole Miami Marlins (laughs) aesthetic. But what what it but what was that aesthetic? That's sort of the whole point. Like the aesthetic was like sort of Miami vice-ish weird Miami-ness, but but but, also Disneyland. but or also Disney Disneyland, World. excuse and, me, yes. and also no fans, and also you know, like getting rid of MVPs like left and right, like that. It's like a, 
yeah, they 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 got us some work to do as far as developing an identity there. Um, we'll get back to your Phillies. The Mets do have an identity. There's no question. Mets, you say the Mets and people smile. Yes. Like there's, there's that's, the law Mets. <laughs> they're, they're the Mets. Plus they have Mr. Matt, who is such an identity driver for so many. I agree. Um, Matt's huge identity. We all know what that is. Washington. No, no, I'm going to say no on the Washington. Yeah. Identity. I kind of agree, particularly since they're, they were like, I know it was 60 games, but they were surprisingly not good this year. And I mean, I guess, you know, they'll obviously they'll have Strasburg back, but yeah. It, I would put Juan Soto in that class, by the way, of players that should not be allowed, you know, should be, you should do everything in your power to keep them. I do there, agree. Except, except for that would keep him in Washington, and I'm not sure. I don't At least know. he and I, Trey I Turner know. get to keep each other company. Well, that's true. Look, I'm just and I'm and and Washington has great fans. I'm not I'm not trying to knock any of that. I just I don't know what that team is. Like for a while there, they had the the cool thing going where you could count on them absolutely butchering the playoffs in some sort of like really ridiculous way. Um, but then they fired Dusty like for no really like apparent reason. Yeah. And, and then and then they you know then they. I mean, you know, they weren't good the year they won the World Series and then they got hot at exactly the right time and, and you know, played in that pretty bad World Series but with the great Game 7. I, I don't know. It, it, it just, yeah, no identity. We're just going to say no identity. The Cubs have an identity, but I, they're working on it. They're working on, like, either going back to the old loser Cub identity or mm-hmm. I don't know what they're doing, to be honest with you. Like, I don't get it. Although, very exciting news about them uh, – Bringing in Boog Shiambi to be their uh, their television broadcaster. That was very oh, exciting. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yes. You know, Len uh, went from, you know, he was the the uh, the television broadcaster, wonderful guy. Uh, all his life wanted to be a radio guy. Like he, he idolized uh, Vince Scully on the radio. And so he left television uh, to go be radio. And then they went out and got somebody equally good, if not, you know, even even... Uh, you know, I don't think anybody's better than Boog Shiambi as uh, as a broadcaster. So, I'll tell you what they're gonna they're gonna have some good things to listen to. If you're a Cubs fan, the, like the one thing you can do is bundle up and and watch some watch some or listen to uh, or both uh, some great baseball. Because what's uh, happening with Jason Benetti? He is like my favorite after my celebrity crush Scott Fransky. Well, he's still with the White oh, okay. Sox. Okay, all right. He's, yeah, I mean, he, it's yeah, good. So it's gonna be the two of them. It's going to be, uh, yeah, if okay. you're living in Chicago, you have great, great broadcasters. I mean, I'm talking about if you're a Cubs fan, yeah. you get you get Len on the radio and you get Boog on, on television. If you're a White Sox fan, you know, Jason is, is Benetti is as good as anybody. So, uh, yeah, that's that's become uh, become uh, broadcasting central there in Chicago. That's good for them. I just had a brain fart. I apologize. Yeah. No, no, that's fine. I just my my love of Jason Benetti got me really concerned for one second. (laughs) Oh, did you actually think Benetti was uh, was on the? No, I was just like Chicago, and all of a sudden I was Uh, like, we're talking about the White Sox, and then I was like, because I hadn't seen the news about Boog. Anyway, I apologize. I'm a stupid person. Congratulations, Boog is really what yes. Congratulations, Cincinnati. No, no identity. Just, just no. I don't think. What do you think? No. I'm trying to even think of a joke to make about their identity. It's just, look, Votto has been there long enough. Maybe he's a part of that identity, I guess, or something. And 
I mean, they uh, have pretty good pitching. No, they do, and I'm not saying anything bad about the team. Yeah, I no, mean, I'm just, I'm trying to be like, what, 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 but what, what feels? You know, Trevor Bauer was the first guy to. Me. Trevor Bauer was the first Red to win a Cy Young award. It's crazy. I know. Yeah. I mean, that's it's a historic thing. I just put together. It's going to come out on the. Uh, Maybe on the athletic, I'm not even sure where I'm going to put it yet. But I just put together the top 30 uh, all time. Well, not top 30, all 30 teams all time uh, um, uh, pitching rotations, starting pitching rotations. Because uh, you might imagine with the with the recent loss of Phil Negro, uh, that Braves all time pitching rotation is absurd. It's mm. an absurdity. I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing. And I kind of was like, is that the best pitching rotation of all time? Uh, if you if you take all the Braves in history, and uh, so I put together the thirty, and uh, and uh, like I said, I'll put it out early. I don't want to let too much out. Other than to say, when I got to the Reds, boy, it's it's you know if you go back before like the World War Two, it's it's good. But I mean, you you look at the recent Reds history, it's it's pretty shaky, pretty shaky on the starting rotation. Sad. I was yeah. a, such a fan of them, really trying to go for it this past year and I just feel like perhaps no one more than the Reds was kind of screwed by the 60 game season and everything playing out the way that it did. Yeah, I like look I, there's a lot about that team that I like. Oh, I um, yeah, I wasn't saying that you, you know, were. I was just I was I know, just continuing but I'm, but I'm to saying, ruminate. Yeah. Yeah. I think identity they're 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 searching. Cardinals certainly have an identity. They do. They have the best fans in baseball, yeah, Joe. We um, you know, I can't go there. <laughs> I, I, like, I can't even have that discussion because I've, I've gotten in so much trouble with it through the years. Um, <laughs> but, but they do. Look, they do have great. Look, St. Louis, great fans. They do. They've got great fans. They've got great support. That team is the center of that city in a way that I don't know that any other city uh can match. Yeah. I mean, the it's interesting. The Royals now do, or, or at least they did after they started winning. Now the Chiefs are, are sort of back at the center. But for a little while there, it was that was true in Kansas City. Um, but I don't think there's another city, like on a consistent basis, where the team is is as centered to the, the city's identity as as the Cardinals are. So we'll, we'll just go ahead and, and leave it there. Milwaukee? Yeah, no. They've got that slide. You know what they have? You know what they're, they do have the slide and they have the races, right? Yes. Yes. They're the originator of the races. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of another. I mean, look, Milwaukee is, I love going to games in Milwaukee. I really do. Uh, the food in Milwaukee couldn't be better. It's just so good. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what that identity would be. Like, what would, like, they did have that brief period of time in the early 80s where they were, um, you know, home run hitting, Harvey's wall bangers, that whole thing. Uh, and then they had a little bit of that later with the whole Prince Fielder, uh, Ryan Braun yeah. kind of home run thing. But, no, I, I don't I don't see, like, an enduring, you know, their enduring identity is the cool hat. Right, the cool, yes. the cool Brewers logo. Yes, yes, with the with the the M and the B hidden yeah. in the mid. That yes. first that first time you see it, oh, it's just it, yeah, will what change a moment. your life. What yeah. a moment! Yeah. yeah, it's 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 like the good version of the first time that you realize that the uh, MLB logo could just be like a big bird head wanting to eat the little ball. 
I thought it was good. You were going to say it's like that moment when you realize that Arby's was just named after RB roast beef. Like, 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 oh, no, I was today years old when I realized that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a little there's a little tidbit for you. Yeah. All right. Pittsburgh. Ugh, no, no. I, oh, I don't know. But perhaps it's this is again that I think that losing is more of an identity than I think you think it is. Yeah, I mean, but they're not even like they had that stretch where they weren't that bad, right? Where they where they were kind of winning and losing in the playoffs. And no, you know what? Pittsburgh is just a football town. It's such a deep football town. I just don't know. It's very difficult for the Pirates to to build an identity, and they did for a while. They're obviously Clemente, and then when they were the you know the the lumber you know Pittsburgh Lumber Company and all that when they hit. But it's difficult, I think, in Pittsburgh to develop a baseball identity. I don't think they have one. Uh, the Dodgers, of course, have an identity. Um, Padres building an identity. Absolutely, I would say. they are. Yes, and that. like their very own, their very own, their very thing own that identity. They do. Right. Yes. Yeah, which I think is really good. Really good. Uh, and bringing back the brown uniforms, Mike. Oh, gosh. they're I mean, so that's sweet. Just, oh, so great. Uh, the Giants. I, I guess have an identity. Do you think so? Is that still based upon you know winning all of those World Series? Those World Series, because yeah. you know who's their manager now? It's Gabe Kapler. Yeah. It's quite a not different a, identity. Not an identity builder, right there. Um, or, 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 or the wrong he identity. maybe is, but it just it <laughs> seems to me, and I, I'm not, I, I'm like sort of an agnostic Gabe Kapler person in a world in right. which no one is agnostic about Gabe Kapler, Correct. but like he is definitely antithetical to what you would think of, of those sort of like early 2010s Giants teams. Giants, that's true. You know, th- th- you might be right. I mean, I, it feels to me like, that stadium and that scene and, and, you know, being in San Francisco itself, which is obviously such a great American city. Uh, it feels to me like all of that sort of builds mm-hmm. a little bit of a, like when Lucille you're at a, is a great mascot. And when you're at a Giants game, like you do feel like you're somewhere like you don't feel like, oh, I'm just any at any baseball game, you know, like you might if you went to Cincinnati or. Or frankly, Philadelphia, I hate to say it. Yeah, but but I mean, but if you're in San Francisco, you're like, oh man, I'm at a Giants game. But I don't know if the team itself, I don't know if that counts. If the team itself, you know what's what's interesting to me is like that Giants-Dodgers thing that was so big for, you know, 50 years. That doesn't feel big anymore. No. Yeah. No, I think it takes both teams being sort of a similar level of competitiveness for something like that to really have any juice and just because and you know no knock on the Giants but the Dodgers are just obviously so much better than literally everybody else except for maybe the Padres at this point that it's just kind of like yeah it's not really a rivalry no it doesn't feel like a rivalry but even when the Dodgers were really good and and the Giants were like yeah not that good I don't know. They felt still felt like there was sort of a, you know, a little bit of a nastiness between them and a little bit of a, of a vibe. I don't know. Oh, and I believe I, I for Giants fans, they do hate the Dodgers. I think that this I, is still true. Perhaps even true. more so. Like, I guess I guess that's true. Although your friend and my dear friend Brian uh, lived in San Francisco or lived outside of San Francisco, 
and uh, and and was a huge Giants fan. Then he moved to L.A. and he became a Dodgers fan, which you and I have have ripped him about mercilessly. Well, that's just a lack um, of character. Like that doesn't. It's have a lack of character on Brian's do part. You know, with... I'm sure Brian happy to be making the podcast for the first time with us. <laughs> Hi, Brian. Discussing You're his lack of character. <laughs> Couldn't be a better guy, but yeah. You can't. You can't. And that's maybe that's part of that's that's tilting my view is that if anybody could do that, like go from being a Giants fan to a Dodgers fan, uh, that maybe the rivalry is not what it used to be. But maybe mm-hmm. that just refers to our friend. Um, Colorado, you know, has an identity because they can't help but have an identity because yeah. of Coors Field, yep. you know, but it's they're complete. Here we go. They have an identity. They have no control over it whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> like they just completely—they're just—they're just awash in their identity. They're just—they're out at sea, just basically in a little life raft, and they're like, "Hey, we're the—we're the team that can't get to land." You know, that's basically their identity. I think. Yeah. Well, they're like we're the team in which our pitchers are going to always be bad, and our hitters yes. are going to always be good. Yeah. Yeah, it feels it feels uh on the whole, obviously there are there are pick, variations within their, that. Yeah. Yeah. Picking their all time uh rotation was quite the joy, I have to tell you. <laughs> um All right, Arizona. I'm gonna say no. Just gonna say no. Flat out no. No identity in Arizona. It's, I don't think. It's so sad. I, I well, because I like I just I've I I've quite liked the Diamondbacks for, for some time. And I have said on a number of occasions that I have a sort of a crush on Mike Hazen without knowing what he looks like. And so I have studiously avoided <laughs> knowing what Mike Hazen looks like in, in just in case it might affect me in one way or another. Uh, I got to tell you, though, once, if you ever saw Mike Hazen, that crush would just go up. That's all I got to say. Oh, don't tell me that, Joe. <laughs> I want my crush to be pure. Yeah, no, I'm. I like. I like what it seems to me. Like, if what started all of this, and I've granted that this is a relatively recent uh, organizational shift. It has everything to do with my case, and um, that is is the idea of like the Rays having an organizational identity or the Padres having an organizational identity that I almost actually would argue that the Diamondbacks do have their own, which is that they're, he's always sort of tinkering without ever like getting completely bad, but I think is actually improving the team by the moves that he makes. Of course, they just weren't very good this past season, which I thought they would be. And so that's why they shipped off Starling Marte. But I just think a lot of the moves have been really smart. And I also love, I love Zach Gallen and Cattell Marte. They're just a couple of my favorite players. So maybe I'm biased. No, I like all those players that you mentioned. Uh, and and I do think, I don't. it's not that I think Mike Hazen is not doing a good job. I think he's doing a perfectly fine job. I just don't think that team, I don't know what that team represents. They, they have no identity. But I me. think they're doing a different thing than a lot of other teams are doing. So is in, that in not an way. identity? I don't know what that is. You're saying because they're making a few good moves. I, no, I don't because know what... I think that they're making those moves without like. I think many people have said like, "What is Mike Hazen doing? What are the Diamondbacks doing? Are they are they 
good? Are they not good? Are they going to do a rebuild? And he's sort of like rejecting that whole promise. <laughs> so you're, you're saying status quo is an identity. No, I think saying. he's genuinely trying to make the team better, but not in a kind of not in obvious the, way. Not in the way that other people are making it better. He's fi- trying like, to find like his Like by way. getting better players. No, he and, is like, getting better players. Like what else are you going to call like getting Zach Gallen for trading? Oh, I can't even remember the name of the like sort of raw toolsy shortstop that they traded to the Marlins for Zach Gallen. I'll remember it like when this How podcast How could you not remember going. Jazz Chisholm? Yes, Jazz Chisholm. Yes, it's like the best <laughs> name ever. Uh, anyway, yes, like I think that was a great freaking trade. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, look, I, I'm not arguing with you or disagreeing with you. I just don't see it. I just don't see uh, much of an identity there. And then we've already discussed the Phillies. I think the Phillies are in desperate search of an identity. They and, do have uh, the Philly fanatic. I just want to point out that at they do. least they no, have they the do. Philly fanatic. I mean, or do they? Because they had a new version of the Philly fanatic this year. Um, I don't, that bothered you, didn't Oh it? my God, extremely. I don't remember <laughs> if we ever talked about it on this podcast, but like the, the minute changes that they made to the Philly fanatic, you just, you, you take one look at it and you're like, no, that's not it. It's sort of like when you go into a discount store and there are toys made that are obviously off brand, you know, like it's meant to be the, 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 the girls from Frozen, right. but they're just like a little different. And on the top, instead of Frozen, it says like the very cold sisters or something instead yeah right, right, that is right. the philly fanatic now it's it's sad but you know they weren't going to spend money on relief pitchers how could i expect them to spend money on their mascot that is the best thing about their organization sometimes that kind of reminded me of by the way like i love those toys when when, when uh, elizabeth <laughs> when our daughter elizabeth was younger they used to have and maybe some people out there will remember these they used to have like I don't even know what the company's name was, but they would do like these sort of, I don't even know how you would describe them, terrible versions of kids animated movies that were like, like the Little Mermaid, but it was not at all like the Disney Little <laughs> yes, Mermaid. Yes, totally. We we used to we used to call them cheapy movies. Like I want and and Elizabeth loved them. She would always be like, I want to see cheapy Beauty and the Beast. And so instead of watching the full Beauty and the Beast, we would watch like this half hour and they would have songs in them. Like they would be musicals, but it was clearly written like on the spot. Like the songs were written, like the guy was making up the words (laughs) while he was singing them. And uh, yeah, we used to love those cheapy, uh, cheapy versions. So yeah, I think that's it. But it also reminds me of the Browns uh, a few couple years ago. The Browns, well, it's actually been more than a couple of years now. It's been a few years. Subtly, very, very subtly changed the orange in, in the helmet and the uniform. Uh-huh. It, like they, they made it a little bit less bright, maybe. Like they just kind of, they just changed it. A little bit more of a burnt a, umber. <laughs> a little bit more burnt. And man, did I hate that. I, I just like, it, it, it drove me crazy like i would look and the the uniforms were almost right but not right you know and and uh and so yeah i could see that with the fanatic uh just being you know and they they at this point if they you know they they should just go all in just change the name and 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 uh and and change the whole thing so um yeah philly's still in desperate need does this sound familiar you've got one device that lets you catch the game live 
another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login <laughs> for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. Yes, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. This episode is brought to you by BetMGM. Sign up today with BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic, and get a $1,000 risk-free first bet. Plus, get a free three-month subscription to The Athletic. Just sign up at BetMGM.com slash TheAthleticPod, that's P-O-D, to take advantage of this special offer from the kings of sportsbooks. That's BetMGM.com slash TheAthleticPod, P-O-D. New customer offer, paid in bonus dollars. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Cue the disclaimer. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. All right, before we uh, wrap this uh, this thing up, <laughs> this thing went in a little bit of an odder I direction. But we so do, I do want to talk about the Browns for a minute. Great. And, well, the NFL playoffs. Uh, the Browns this week uh, are playing in their first playoff game, as I mentioned, since 2003, uh, 18 years uh, almost to the day uh, that they uh, that they played Pittsburgh in, in their last playoff game and lost. And they're playing Pittsburgh again in Pittsburgh. Uh, but we have just gotten word that pretty much, well, a whole bunch of guys uh, have tested positive for COVID, including the head coach, uh, Kevin Stefanski. And uh, we don't know the names of the players yet, but uh, there's an offensive lineman. There's a defensive player, I think. Uh, there are probably others. Who the heck knows, you know? And, and so they're going to go in. Whatever the case may be, they're going to go into uh, their playoff game because the NFL, you know, they've already made it clear that they don't care. I mean, they'll they'll have teams play without quarterbacks. They'll have teams play without receivers. They don't care. So they're going to go on, and the Browns are going to play their first playoff game without their head coach. Oh God! Uh, which may or may not be a deal. I don't. I don't know. I I don't know what. You know, all I know about head coaches is after the game, they've never seen a minute of the game because you ask them questions. They're always like, yeah, let me check the film. I didn't actually see that while the game was going on. Um, So I don't know how it'll affect them, but uh, it is it is a travesty that the Cleveland Browns and and a city that has dealt with so much uh, agony and heartbreak when it comes to that team uh, is going to go into a playoff game with. Severe, severe, severe limitations, and and not a head coach, and and all these other things, and so, you know, I think we can now look 
you know, obviously we can look ahead, but I think looking back, how do we feel like everybody's done with this, with, with the whole COVID thing? I mean, we're, we're all dealing in an imperfect world with a pandemic raging. Uh, you know, baseball had a shortened season. Basketball had a, had a, uh, a bubble as did hockey, uh, I guess. And, and the NFL has had these weird, weird, they've had a full season, but weird, you know, things where certain teams have, you know, they've had to postpone some games and, and, and some games they have not postponed and, and teams have been put in ridiculous situations. I don't know. I mean, looking back, how would you sort of say sports have been the last six months or so? Well, with this proviso that I was not raised on football, and so I am really only tangentially aware of it in the sort of same way that I know about what the mist is about. That's sure. like the same kind of level. They're, by the way, very similar. Great. The NFL and the mist. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. The NFL kills people. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this suddenly transforms into or perhaps it has been the whole time a kind of like man on the street type of an interview <laughs> <laughs> well which or, is what we do here yes. we don't bring, we don't bring expertise like that's if anybody's listening to this look listening for expertise i'm sorry yeah. i'm so sorry yeah and i i sort of feel like uh when talking about football that i'm just kind of going to be like megan amram talking about baseball except for not funny or delightful um so all of that being said, it sort of seems to me like the NFL has done the worst regards COVID. And then I would maybe put baseball in the middle and then yeah. put, say that basketball and, and hockey did the best job. I think that's pretty indisputable that I they did the best right. job. And, I, I think, but but yeah, somebody who follows the NFL more closely uh, rather than me, well, where I'm just like scrolling through my t Twitter timeline and I'm like, this is gobbledygook to me, uh, is uh, may, might be able to answer that question more intelligently. Well, but, but I think it's really a matter of, look, if you're a huge, huge, huge NFL fan, as many, many people are, obviously, you would probably argue the NFL did the best because they're the ones that had the full season. Uh, they're the ones that started letting fans in. Um, they're the ones that, you know, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're a Broncos fan and you had to watch your team play without a quarterback, or if you're a Cleveland fan and had to watch your team play without receivers or now without a head coach, yeah, you feel pretty bad. But if you're not one of those teams fans, you probably don't care. You're just probably like, Hey, let the games go on. I think what's indisputable to me is that the NFL has been the least, concerned about it mm. like like i think the nba you know i mean they changed everything in order to make it work uh hockey did somewhat the same uh baseball really shifted everything around not by choice and and it took a long time and 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 a lot of a lot of pain to get there but, you know, they shortened the season and expanded the playoffs and created the little bubble system for the postseason and didn't have any fans and clearly took it very, very seriously. Whether or not they delivered what they wanted to deliver, they, they took it very seriously. The NFL, to me, like what I think is indisputable about it is the NFL has acted like they're bigger than COVID. They're bigger than the pandemic. They, you know, they'll, they're going to go on 
regardless, you you can't you can't slow down football, and and so I think that is where, to me, the NFL stands out. And look, I think there are a lot of people that would agree with that line of thinking. That's what they would say. They'd say, hey, you know these these guys, they're young, they're they're going to be fine, and and you play the games. And and I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. I don't. I you know I feel like it's been kind of disgraceful at times. And I think it's going to be kind of disgraceful this weekend if the Browns really have to play a playoff game without a head coach and without a various players um, because the NFL doesn't have a protocol in place to to make sure that doesn't happen. And look, and the Browns, to their, you know, I don't want to say credit, but they have followed the pro. They haven't even practiced barely the last couple of weeks. They've, they've stayed apart. I mean, this is not a case of, of, of irresponsibility. I mean, they've they've been testing nonstop and they've been, they've been doing all the things that the NFL has, has asked them to do. And they generally haven't complained uh, even, even when they were sort of jobbed a couple of weeks ago, they've, they've sort of, you know, been doing what they can do, but you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. I, I think, I just think it's pretty bad. It really puts a bad taste in my mouth for sure. Yeah. I'm realizing I was answering your question as in how well do I think that these various franchises did in terms of how many people got COVID, yeah. not in how successful their season was. <laughs> so I just had a sort of a different barometer for how no, I was that's answering right. that well, question. That, and, and, and that is where your barometer should be, but, but that is not truly where everybody's at, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. No, I think you're very right. Ugh, Browns. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for you. I genuinely am happy for you. And I sort of feel like this is, this is what, in fact, we all, is it fair to say that this is a surprise for you that the Browns are in the playoffs? Oh yeah. It's a surprise. Right. So like, this is what I think we all maybe wanted more of in baseball, you know? I, I was ready for like a completely wild and wacky postseason. And then it was kind of like, oh, no, the teams that probably would have been the best in a 162 game season or, you know. Yeah, I would I agree with that. I, I thought the postseason was kind of a bust. Um, yeah, I mean, they had some good games and, of course, loved watching baseball. But, you know, that was, I think, what they were going for was this sort of wild and, hey, this is a year unlike any other. We're going to have a postseason unlike any other. And then it was like, eh, Dodgers and Rays, World Series, <laughs> two best teams anyway, and we'll get them there. And then they'll play a, you know, World Series that's, you know, entertaining enough. And that'll be it. And it just didn't feel special in any way. Of course, you know my thought. My my thought last year all along, I, I definitely talked about it at some point in the podcast, uh, was they should have had a, a College World Series where everybody was in yeah, the postseason. 100%. I, I, I thought they should have done that. I thought the whole season should have been a postseason. Like I, to me, like that was the best way to, to do it was to have the whole season be, you know, you, you could have these little, these little pods uh, and, and you can make those pods as long as you want, but then two teams come out of the pod and, and then, and then after, you know, then, then you start playing the college world series style, you know, double elimination tournaments or do something like that. I, I just thought that could have been a lot of fun and, and might have led to, to something crazy. Instead, it just, you know, and I feel, I look, I, I don't think Dodger fans at the end of the day care, but, you know, was that really that fulfilling? I mean, I guess it was, but 
certainly not as fulfilling as it would have been if it had been a full season. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, I I agree with you that I wish that they that uh, that Major League Baseball would have embraced the chaos a little bit more. Uh, on the other hand, I was I I was happy with the postseason as well I think particularly because if it had been a little bit crazier I think people would have uh, cast aspersions on the results a little bit more whereas now I feel like people clearly are like well no actually that shook out exactly the way that we think it would have Uh, (laughs) but all of that is to say that I am I am delighted I am delighted for you that the that the Browns are in it it is delightful that the Browns are in it and it's probably very Browns like that they won't have a head coach. Is there I have actually, they approached you about being the head coach? I, I believe they should. I believe they should. I can't go into details on this podcast, but oh. uh yeah. No, there's there's good opportunity here. All right. Good opportunity. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just it takes extraordinary circumstances to make extraordinary human beings of us all. It's what they say. It's what they say. <laughs> All right, it's time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast was. One last one. Uh, what do you got for us? Uh, I have a couple of things. Is that okay? Yes. Well, one thing, it's not my one last meaningless thing, but I am very excited to talk to you here in the new year because I owe you an apology. Oh, boy. And that is that when you were writing your, I believe this was your series on players hitting two homers in a single game yeah that was not a series that was that was a that was a death sentence well i i told you that you were in a prison of your own making that those were my exact words and these words of mine have come back to haunt me when i was doing the really comparatively easy task of writing the 12 days of free agent relief pitchers Uh, It ended up being 13 days because uh, the commissioner of holiday-themed baseball rankings ruled that number five, Trevor May, was ineligible, given that he was not a free agent at the time. So Ah. I ended up writing 13. But anyway, it uh, it gave me a new appreciation for that which I already appreciated, which was the amazing amount of work that you put into your series currently, of course— your series about the players who are on the outside of the Hall of Fame on The Athletic, which is fantastic. And so, yes, I just every day and I, that that Eric would say, don't you want to do this? And I was like, I, I have to get this article. And I was like, I'm in a prison of my own making. And I need to apologize to Joe for telling him that because this is only I essentially live in a prison of my own making. <laughs> I, the great thing is as soon as I break out of prison, I, I then build another build prison another for prison. myself very very quickly it's uh it's a problem it's a gilded cage you You know it's 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 a problem (laughs) i'm not gonna lie it's gilded with peanut stuff your cage yes so my one last meaningless thing is in fact a uh a thank you uh to mike for talking about slippers i think this Ah. was in your uh clothing draft that you did is that right that is 
Uh, I think it was a one last meaningless thing. Okay, all right. It was. I I didn't remember when it was, but it made me think. Huh? Slippers, uh, because I uh, danced ballet for eighteen years, and my feet are very bad as a result. Uh, I just, I have bad foot structure to begin with, but now I have like the feet that I would have as a much, much older person because I did this stupid thing with my body. Like, why would I do that? Anyway, so this year, the bone spurs that I have in the balls of my feet, which is as fun as it sounds like, have gotten worse because normally I'm wearing orthotics when I'm out in the world and they sort of like readjust to the structure of my feet. But when I'm just padding around my one bedroom apartment, I'm not wearing them. And... I had this epiphany. I was like, I should get slippers so that I can wear my orthotics while I'm padding around around the house. And so this was the one thing that I asked Santa for was slippers. And I specifically asked my mom, who's the one who talks to Santa, for me personally anyway, that's how it works. Right. And I said, I would like slippers, but of course they need to have a back on them so that I can fit my orthotics in. And crucially, I would like slippers that are like... uh, a gentleman would wear with his smoking jacket. Like I just, I don't want sort of girly slippers. And my mom gave me the most perfect pair of slippers. And I put my feet into them and my little like gender neutral soul was just made so happy. And as a matter of fact, it's to the point where like now when I wake up in the morning, I'm excited because I get to put on my slippers. And I have also realized that I used to hobble around the house. I would like basically <laughs> limp. And I was doing this, like not only obviously for this year, but like most of my life. Anyway, now I have slippers. That's my one last meaningless thing. Thanks, Mike. Well, that is delightful. That is delightful. Uh, I also, I have I've uh, said this on this podcast, I, I also got slippers as a gift. And uh, I love them. I love them. And I love them for exactly the reason that I thought I would hate them, mm. which is that they would make me look old <laughs> and feel old. But I have, I am, in 2021, I have, you know, I've not made that many New Year's resolutions uh, this year. But one of the resolutions I've made, my birthday is coming up. And I have made the resolution to embrace the old. Mm. And so I uh, have started wearing contacts now and again, um, uh, mostly for when I'm you know, doing something active, playing tennis or something. And when I'm wearing contacts, I cannot see anything up close <gasps> uh, because I, I wear bifocal. Okay. So, and I guess you can get bifocal contacts, but I have not. Uh, so I have to wear reading glasses. I have so embraced the reading glasses thing. Like I have gotten, not only have I gotten reading glasses, I've gotten the little uh, string that you put around your neck when you're wearing reading glasses. So I will walk around the house now with slippers, (laughs) reading glasses around my neck. I, I, if I could get like one of those Ebenezer Scrooge nightgowns, I'm in. I mean, that's it. Like I... I am ready to get the hat, the little, the little floppy. Yeah, with the tassel little, on the end. Yep. Yeah, the little floppy cap. I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. I, I have all these things that I have been so fearful of about being old. I have decided are actually the greatest thing ever. So I am fully embracing the old and slippers. <laughs> Uh, a very big part of that. I think you're right uh, that they are the greatest thing ever. And I feel like you could you could do a, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge nightgown, but you could also do as I envisioned in my scenario, you could do a sort of like burgundy, you know, brocade smoking jacket as well. That I could would do the I could work. do even like that. I could do that robe. Like I could do the robe 
and then I could have like the cigar in my mouth. Like that would be like I'm like I'm a like I'm a uh, inveterate gambler at home. Um, I just I don't know. I feel like that could work yeah, for me. I think it. Um, I think it definitely would. I also. I mean, but I'm already just imag- enjoying myself imagining you wearing little reading glasses with a string on it. Oh, it's great. And the girls hate it. My daughters, like, they come up to me like, oh, my God, you look, just stop. You look so old. And I'm like, well, I can't hear you. So it's, Do you have um, an ear trumpet? That's when you bring your ear trumpet out so you can hear them. I, I, I need to get an ear trumpet. I'm ready for the ear trumpet. I'm ready for all the old people things, all of them. I, I want them all. I want... I want uh, to. Live you just that when way. once right. you have an ear trumpet, you have to make sure to be like, eh? I'm like, eh? was that? What? Like, <laughs> I'm so- excuse me. <laughs> so, and well, this actually leads into my one last meaningless thing, sort of. Uh, this is absolutely true. I was driving uh, a couple of days ago, and and a guy cut me off uh, on the road while I was driving. A guy cut me off, and these were the words. That came out of my mouth when the guy cut me off. I said, hey, come on, buddy. Hey, buddy. Like I was a 1950s taxi cab driver. Like, what, like come on, but hey, buddy. Come on, pal. Watch yourself. Where'd you get driving lessons? Like I... And I and it and it just came out. I was there was there was no effort at all. I didn't yeah. I didn't swear. I just was like, come on, buddy. Oh, God. Come on, pal. You and your ni- Nissan. Like, I don't, I, I, I have no idea why that happened or who I am. Oh, anymore. Joe, that, I'm so it. glad you saved this story for me because you know how much I love delightful mid century expressions, <laughs> like full of beans or, you know, yeah, what's oh, the yeah. big idea? So, yeah, hey, buddy. I mean, I thought. Hey, buddy, come on, buddy. Yeah, I thought I thought what's the big idea would have actually fit really well there. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I could probably do a two-hour discourse on breaking down the difference between hey, buddy, and look, lady. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I, I think, but I won't. I think, I'll spare. I'll spare our listeners. No, that. I think I think that would be good. I I've decided again, much in the same way that I've decided in 2021 to embrace the old. I really might go back and and just start using nothing but mid-century expressions. It's so good. Of, it's yeah, it, it, yeah, and but not ironically at all. Like people would laugh, and I'd be like, what, "What's so funny?" Like, what, I mean, I think what you'd say what's is, "What's the big, the big idea?" idea? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, perfect. I'm I'm here to really support you. I'll even be yes. your accountability buddy. You know. <clears throat> yeah. And I'll check yeah. in with you. Come on, pal. Yeah, I'll be like, look, buddy, how's it going? <laughs> what are you, a maniac? What kind of maniac are you? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Ellen, this was, as always, so delightful. It's, Such a joy. Yeah, been one of the best things about my 2021 so far. It's going to be, it's, it's. you know what? This is going to be the best year of your life. I'm telling yeah. you, it's going to be the best year of your life. Yep. Actually, that's I, I, I put that out on Twitter uh, at the start of the year. I'm like, I hope this is the best year of your life. And then I started thinking, I don't know if that's such a good wish. Like, like, what if they get to the end of this year and they're like, wow, that was a great year. But it's also the best year of my life. That's it. It's it's it is nothing but downhill from here. Oh, no, I think that 
well, I no, I I get your point. My intention yes, is there. Yes, yes, yes. it was going to be the responded best with... so far, and it will continue yes, to get course. better and better because, of course, Absolutely. that's how we it's have to be... think about life, even though it doesn't. It's going to be a standing way. wish. Twenty twenty two, the same wish is going to be there. That's, I hope this is the best year of your life. It's, it's absolutely right. But I do wish now more people had come up to me and just said, "Hey, what's the big idea?" <laughs> I hope a whole bunch of people respond that way on on Twitter when when they hear this. So yeah, please. Uh, or well, or give go. us other delightful mid century expressions. Yes, all all like hip hip hooray with, is we've decided is one of the great ones. Mm-hmm. I I am now going to cheer like when I'm sitting at home watching the Browns and they score. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be like hip hip hooray. Excellent. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I'm working on it. I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with a whole bunch of them and. And uh, this is my new my new task. So, well, there you go. Ellen, wonderful as always. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joe. Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of the 75th anniversary season. That's game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond. From iconic plays in arenas to the impact players have in communities, that's the NBA, that's game. It's like game five of the NBA Finals where I was lucky enough to be there. Bucks Suns in Milwaukee. I'm sitting kitty corner from Giannis Antetokounmpo as he rises up for that incredible alley-oop. Drew Holiday having stolen the ball from Devin Booker on the other side, found Giannis in transition. Incredible stuff. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game.